All right, we'll go ahead and get started. Thank you guys so much for coming. So I'd like to start. Um, so one big thing we're really trying to make sure you guys know is um, December 24th through the 31st, we're going to be opening up the church to um, house some homeless here in Lapeer County. This was an opportunity that was presented to us here recently. And so we're going to be doing that. We're so excited for this. Um, this Sunday, uh, the coordinator of this for us, the one that's kind of done this before and goes between kind of churches and the refuge, uh, will be here Sunday. Uh, he'll actually be over by the Welcome Center before and after service. So we've had a lot of different questions about this, different aspects of this. Um, he's going to be available to just answer those questions, and I think that might be the easiest way to do that, um, because there's been questions about kind of with food or different things like that. So uh, one big praise is that we did have someone um, that this gentleman knows that's worked with him before with this um, step up and be willing to take every night as far as a chaperone. So we have a gentleman that's doing that. So he did this apparently last year when they did this at a different church and he loved it. So he was hoping he could do it again. And so we're really excited to be able to have that covered basically. Um, and so, but he'll have many more answers for you on questions you might have about food and different things. We are taking uh, financial donations to go towards food. And real quick with that, um, it sounds like, because questions have been asked, do I make the food here? Do we make the food and bring it? Um, it sounds like it can kind of be either or, depending on who's in the kitchen and what they want to do. I was under the impression it's going to get made here. He was talking with me. We met the other morning and had a, a good conversation that if the people bringing the food that are working in the kitchen want to bring the food with them, make it ahead of time, that's fine. He said the biggest thing that they were running into is that people were making way too much food. And so they were having to try to get rid of this food and give it away, and you just couldn't give it away. So um, the only difference would be breakfast. Um, I'm assuming, just my opinion, is that we would make breakfast here every morning and not bring that, obviously. Um, but if you have questions about that, be here Sunday. He'll be available to answer any questions you have, and please sign up. Even if you have questions, sign up for what you think you would like to help with, and then we can always get those questions answered, and then you can decide, okay, I can or can't do that. One thing that we'd like to encourage also still is drivers. We would love to have some different drivers to be able to pick people up from the refuge, bring them here, and then take them back in the morning. Um, and again, uh, we are still doing our Christmas Eve service. I've had that question a couple times because that's the first night. Um, and so on the paper, uh, it just wasn't changed because it was just from years before what they've done. The dinner for Christmas Eve will be after our Christmas Eve service. I think on there it's set up like 6 o'clock, but we are going to do that after the service. So any of our guests that come can be a part of the service as well, all right? So, um, and that first night I talked to him, we're going to do something really, really easy. Um, we might just actually get, he said a lot of times they'll just do like pizza from a local place and just take care of it because usually Christmas Eve is hard to have people come and prepare food and all that. So he said that might be actually fine for them. He, they said they usually like that. So I was like, okay, that's great. We'll do that. So um, we're probably going to be set up for that. Um, but moving forward, again, if any questions, please be here Sunday and you can talk to Marshall. He can let you know more about that. All right. Um, also, Christmas Eve service. Again, just like I just mentioned, candlelight service is going on. This is open to anybody that would like to come. Anyone in the community can come, family members, friends. Um, even if they're in another church, not in church, doesn't really matter. Um, if they don't have a Christmas Eve service to go to, they're welcome to come to our service. Um, children are obviously welcomed to wear pajamas. If you you know, want to bring your kids or grandkids in pajamas, that's fine. Um, I always have an adult or two that asks, can I wear pajamas? And my answer is always, if you want to do that, that's up to you. And it needs to be church appropriate. That's my only two things. Whatever else, it's between you and the Lord. So, uh, but that's going to be going on. We're so excited about that. 
And also, uh, Salvation Army bell ringing. Um, unless something has changed since this afternoon and earlier today, I believe there's only two spots left. So there's one spot on the Friday and one spot on the Saturday. The rest is pretty well filled in. And then I think there's one spot on Friday. A gentleman is ringing. Uh, I forget the time slot, but he doesn't have anyone to ring with. So if there's any guys here that want to just fill in one spot, you can go check that out and sign up to ring with him. Um, or if you want to sign up for one of those other two spots, you're welcome to. But do it as soon as possible because, again, I really foresee Sunday that's most likely going to be filled up and already taken care of. So um, if you have any questions on that, you can let me know. Ladies' event coming up uh, on December 16th at 11 a.m. Um, that sign-up sheet looks like it's filling up very, very quickly as well. And so ticket prices are going to be $10 for that. Children 12 and under are free. Um, again, Avi will be speaking for us, and so you don't want to miss out on that. And again, it says here you can wear your comfy PJs, and the meal will be kind of a breakfast-style meal. Uh, more information at the Welcome Center. Uh, also, with that, when you sign up, you can pay, actually, uh, tonight, you can either see me and pay me directly. Kelsey, I believe, is here. You can pay her. Or you can just do it online. You can sign up and, and, or sign up at the Welcome Center and then pay online through the app if you'd like to do that. So um, other than that, yes, I was going to, I was, uh, that was the next, no, it wasn't really, but I was going to try. No, it's not, it's not written anywhere. I don't think it's anywhere in here. Um, so a uh, couple things real quick. Um, we, I did want to make sure we mentioned this. I shared it on Facebook today. We have our children's musical, um, NGB Evening News Hour. Uh, that's going to be, woohoo, that's going to be uh, December 10th, and that's going to be right in our morning service. So 10.30 service time on that. Um, the 9th is dress rehearsal, right? So, and that is at... Okay, so 9 to 12 is the dress rehearsal. So if you have a child or grandchild in that, please make sure they're here for that. Um, but we're really excited about this. Invite people to come out to this. Family members, friends, neighbors. Um, Josiah was inviting his bus driver to come out today. And so she said she's going to be here. So, um, so we're really excited about this. It's going to be an awesome time. Uh, so don't forget about that. December 13th, so coming up here real quick, is the Word of Life Christmas Pajama Party. So don't forget about that if you have a child or grandchild in there. Uh, they always have a lot of fun with that. Um, also, uh, December 20th and 27th, as well as December 31st, there will be no PM services. So two Wednesdays, so the 20th and the 27th, and then the 31st, Sunday the 31st, no PM services. All right, so that's all going to be in the bulletin this weekend as well, so you know that, okay? Um, also, Tuesday morning, uh, RevWell classes going on 9 o'clock here at the church. Uh, absolutely free. Just want to have you come on out and be a part of that if you're interested in that. Um, goes to about 10.30, 10, 10.30? 10, okay. So that's going to be going on again here at the church Tuesdays, 9 a.m. If you have any questions, you can see Renee, okay. Any uh, questions or comments about the upcoming events or activities or announcements or anything like that? No? All right. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. I would, yeah, that would have been kicking myself for that one. Um, so this coming Saturday, don't forget, we are so excited to be uh, decorating the church for Christmas. So it's going to be at 10 o'clock. 
So uh, note that some years it's been at 9. The last couple years we've done it at 10 o'clock. So 10 o'clock we start. Um, it says, you probably saw in the bulletin, it goes until we say 3 o'clock, but that's not always the case. Sometimes we end more like 2, maybe a little before or after that. Um, and the more help we have, the earlier in the day, the faster it's going to go. Because the biggest time we need the most help is really that first hour and a half. Because that's putting all the trees together, that's working with lights and all of that. So if you're available at all, all on Saturday, we really want to encourage you to come earlier. Don't come later. So, and we will do lunch that day as well. So we'll have some pizza and stuff for lunch. So it'll be a lot of fun. And so uh, children, families are welcome to come and help. Um, we try to give kids of various ages different jobs and we try to include them in it. So if you want to be a part of that, 10 o'clock Saturday. And then don't forget, guys, men's prayer breakfast is this Saturday at 8 a.m. So men's prayer breakfast at 8. We'll be done about 9 or a little after. And then we'll decorate starting at 10. All right, so just a reminder about that. And then the teens, I almost forgot about this too. The students have their mall hunt this Saturday, uh, and they're meeting here at 10 as well, I believe. So they're going to meet here. They go down the Great Lakes Crossing, do some kind of a scavenger hunt throughout the mall. Hopefully don't get kicked out of the mall, don't get in trouble. But So we always pray for that. But um, they're going to have a great time. So if you have a child or grandchild that's between 7th and 12th grade, they're invited to come to that. They just need to bring some money for lunch and any money for shopping or anything like that that they would like to do. All right, so it's a lot of fun. So a lot of things going on. I know it's a busy month, but I'm excited for every single thing that we have going on because it's just an opportunity to celebrate the season, celebrate Christ, and just encourage one another. So it's all good. So I hope you can plug in wherever it fits for you. All right? But let's do this. If there's no other questions or anything, we'll go ahead and pray. All right, let's pray, guys. Father, we thank you for this evening. And Lord, we thank you for an opportunity that we can gather and worship you and just come together as the body of Christ, Lord. Well, Father, I know that going through a week can be full of many different things. Um, there's times that we go through great days, and there's times we go through struggles and trials uh, at home, at work, uh, just different things, Lord. And so, and so we just pray, Lord, as we gather together here on this Wednesday night, Lord, in, in kind of the middle of the week and not knowing what everyone has gone through, I just pray that we would come with open hearts and open minds that would be willing to lay uh, whatever it is that we have on our hearts and minds before you as an act of worship, that you would receive it and that you would lift us up, Lord, that we would have the right mindset, a heart that is centered on you and a desire to hear from your word. And so, Father, again, we thank you for just this time that we can gather to take time apart from our normal schedules and everything else going on in the course of a week, just to set aside this time to spend before your word, to encourage one another in fellowship to spend time in prayer both now and at the end of the service that we can lift up different things and pray for and, and with one another and again so that you are glorified and that the church is strengthened. Father, we pray you'd be with all of these or these different events. We pray that you administer to each one, Lord, that your will would be done, that hearts would be changed, that people would come to Christ, that Christians would grow and mature in their walk with Christ. Lord, just that all of these things that we're doing would not just be events on a calendar, but they would have an eternal impact in people's lives. And so, Father, again, we thank you for everything that we get to be a part of this Christmas season. Help us, Lord, to enjoy every moment, not to just get overwhelmed, not to try to get through the holidays, but, Lord, to, to pause and to reflect and to be so thankful for what Christmas represents, that you came to us when we were undeserving. You came to us, God with us, that you desired to, to, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life. Lord, may we never forget the gift 
that salvation is and the wonderful truth that we celebrate every single Christmas. And so, Lord, help us to have the right heart and the right mindset this time of year especially. And again, to share that with someone else. Father, bless this time. Be with our children's ministry and the teen ministry and just everything going on tonight, Lord. Thank you for those that are serving in nursery right now. Just their... their, um, desire to minister so that uh, adults and parents and grandparents can be in here and, and be in your word. And Father, again, we'll give you all the praise for all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are finishing up our lesson from actually two Wednesdays ago. So if you were with us two Wednesdays ago, the last time we had Wednesday night service, you have a handout already. Uh, it's the same one. If you were not with us in service or maybe lost it, not looking at anybody or accusing anybody, but um, we do have some extras, so we can get those out to you. So if I can get a couple of volunteers, maybe help with clipboards and help with handing out handouts, awesome. So if you need a handout, Jesse's going to take care of you, so just raise your hand. If you need a clipboard, Renee's up here. Oh, pens. Hey, John, can you grab pens from the Welcome Center, that little blue cup of pens, please? Thank you, sir. If you need a pen, we will have them momentarily. Just please hold. Uh, once you get what you need, clipboard or handout, we're going to be in uh, Revelation 6. So Revelation chapter 6. Anyone else? Clipboard, handouts. Who needs a pen? John's got pens for you back there. If you need a pen, raise your hand. A writing utensil. Okay. He didn't raise his hand very high, I don't think. (laughs) Positive peer pressure. I love it. I love it. Anyone else? Clipboard, pen, or handouts? No? Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. That's usually how it happens. Thank you, Renee. Thanks, John. All right. Oh. <laughs> or a clipboard. Yeah. All right. So we are, as many of you know, we've been going through the book of Revelation, and we started a couple weeks ago. We, we're going to summarize um, chapters 6, 7, and 8. So, so we're not going to spend as much time in each chapter as we did when we went through chapters 1 through 5. So obviously, we spent a lot of time in chapter 4 and chapter 5 dealing with that heavenly worship the worshiper on the throne, the amazing songs of praise that we hear from the believers, uh, those in Christ. And then that's followed by the angelic worship where the angels, and I love that part, where the angels actually follow our worship. Um, and so many times we think about it the other way around, that we think when we're singing here and you know the angels are worshiping and all of that, God takes great joy in his believers worshiping him. And I'm not saying that you know he doesn't approve of the angelic worship, but there's a different form of worship. When the angels are declaring him as Lord and God, it's different than when we declare him as Lord and God because we are the redeemed. And we've been set apart by Christ, through Christ, and the forgiveness that he gives to us for the forgiveness of sins. And the Holy Spirit is with us, and it's just a different dynamic in our worship. And so don't ever think, well, our worship's kind of here, but that angelic worship, it's actually the other way around. And so the angels followed our worship in Revelation 5. Then we get into Revelation 6, and now we kind of turn that corner in the book of Revelation. Most Christians have very little issues with Revelation 1 through 5. 
That's, that's not the issues that they have with Revelation. It's not going to be in those five chapters. Chapters 6 through right about 19, that's when it gets a little tricky. And that's when you're going to see a lot more different types of language being used. Uh, much more figurative language being used. Poetic language. Descriptive language that makes things and creatures and beings seem and sound very weird and strange to our understanding. And so when you move through the rest of the book, that's when a lot of believers get frustrated. They get confused. They don't know what's going on or who's this per- person or this being or why does this person say they have ten heads and ten crowns and ten horns and all this stuff. So again, it just gets complicated in that regard. However, as we're going through all of this, what do we need to remind ourselves of? The theme or the point of the book of Revelation. To avoid getting confused and overwhelmed and kind of going off on these very strange rabbit holes, we have to ground ourselves in the point of Revelation, which what is the point or what is one of the points, there's a couple that we could use to describe it, of the, of the purpose of Revelation. Why was it written? What was the goal that the Lord wants to accomplish through John giving us this revelation? It's a practical encouragement, right? Remember, it's meant to encourage the believers, not discourage them. A lot of believers read Revelation and go, that's weird. I don't want to read that anymore, right? They almost get discouraged or or frustrated. No, it's an encouragement and it's practical. Again, we don't think that, but it's meant to be a practical encouragement. What else is a, a purpose behind the book of Revelation? Yes. It's the most Christ-exalting book, specifically in the New Testament, but you probably could say in the whole of Scripture. It points us to Jesus Christ. It elevates Jesus Christ. It elevates salvation in Christ alone. It's meant to draw our attention to that reality that he's the lion and the lamb, right? He's the lamb that was slain and sacrificed, but he's the lion who rules and reigns. And so, again, we have to remember that. So as we move into chapter 6, we also kind of begin to open this part of the book that deals with judgments. And this, again, is where people really struggle with Revelation because a lot of times we don't want to think of God as a God of judgment, right? Humanly speaking, we don't like, naturally, that God is a God of judgment because we don't really like being judged. In fact, what is the number one most quoted verse right now among anyone in the world today, especially in America today? Yes, judge not, lest you be judged. Jesus said not to judge. It says right there in Scripture, Yes, he did. But he also, a few verses later, said, but here's how you judge. He says, don't judge, but when you judge, judge like this. And people go, well, what does that even mean? Jesus was not saying don't make judgments. We make judgments all the time. Every one of you made a judgment to come here today. You made a thoughtful, well, hopefully it was a thoughtful judgment to say, I'm going to get in the car. I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. You made a decision. You made a judgment. You make judgments every day. When you tell someone, my pack just fell off. That was interesting. I'm going to clip that back on. Where's TJ? He left me. Oh, he's back there. I can't even blame him for that one. Okay. When we tell someone about Jesus Christ, right, we're, we're explaining the gospel to somebody, what's, the, what's a judgment we're making when we're sharing our faith? When I'm telling somebody about Jesus, what's a judgment I'm making on them? That they're not believers and they need Jesus. That's a pretty harsh judgment. Also, I'm telling them what, what truth for them to come to Christ, that they have done what? Sinned. So you're a sinner in need of a savior. That's a pretty big judgment. And we do this all the time. So Jesus wasn't saying don't make judgments. What he was saying is don't judge hypocritically, right? Don't say you need to fix this while you're dealing, not dealing with your own stuff. He also says don't judge superficially from a distance, 
make a judgment of somebody based solely on appearance, not on getting to know them and know who they really are. So he was kind of going after the religious, saying, you guys are making all kinds of surface judgments or hypocritical judgments. That's what he's saying not to do. But he very much says, when you get the beam out of your eye, now you can help your brother or sister in Christ deal with their sin. So he wasn't saying, don't make any judgments. He was saying, judge in the right way. And so when we get into this part of Revelation, it's tough for a lot of believers because God is going to reveal some things that he's going to do in judgment that we don't like naturally. It doesn't sit well with us when he says, I'm going to wipe out part of humanity. And this is why Noah's Ark is always amazing to me that people paint their nurseries at home or nurseries in churches like Noah's Ark with the little happy animals, right? And all that. It's not even real, right? I mean, real Noah's Ark was not a time of happy, it was a time of judgment, right? It was a time of God wiping out humanity for sin. And so again, we don't want, we want to try to shade it differently and talk about it differently. And especially in our culture today, we don't like to think of God as a judge. We think of God as loving and gracious and merciful. And he's all those things and praise God that he is. I hope that you're thankful God is gracious and God is merciful uh, because we deserve his wrath and he gives us grace. But God is not only gracious and only merciful and only love. And I've heard that so much over the last so many years, that God is love, God is love. Yes, but not in spite of his holiness, not in contradiction to his justice or his, his, his holiness of he's going to accomplish the goals of what he desires to do, which is bringing all of humanity to him, either as judge or as savior. And so again, we have to remember that all these things are unpacking that, that Revelation is going to tell us they're all earned and deserved judgments. They're, they're appropriate judgments for what's happening here. And yet, even as he talks about these horrible things that are going to happen, there's still grace. Because as we talked about, people will come to Christ during this time. People will come to saving faith during this time. So how great is our God that we deserve nothing but wrath and judgment, and he gives us judgment, but yet even with that, he mixes in grace and opportunity for salvation. So again, it's amazing when we see who God is. So if you weren't with us last time around, uh, I'm just going to kind of fly through here a little bit. Um, So if you need anything repeated, I can do that at the end or just give you my notes or whatever helps you out. But uh, we talked about there Revelation 6, 1 through 17 in your notes. Um, The six six of the seals are opened in this passage. um, And those first seals deal with the uh, horsemen of the apocalypse. So seal one is a rider on a white horse. So seal one is a rider on a white horse. Seal two, this is a rider on a red horse. And these relate to different forms of judgment. And for time's sake, I'm just not going to go through all of that right now. Seal three, a rider on a black horse. And then seal four, a rider on a pale horse. And each one of these symbolically represent a form of judgment that will come on the world during the time of what we call the tribulation. And so this is all taking place during the time that we call the tribulation. Now, I mentioned this last time, but I'll just reiterate it one more time. If you believe, and our church believes in a pre-trib rapture, that's our stance on end times view. Um, as I've said this many times, there's lots of different views out there, but our church's stand is that we believe in a pre-trib rapture. Many believe that will take place before Revelation 6. So sometime between the end of 3 and what we start reading in 6, there's a rapture of the church. This is why many believe that the church, and we're going to get to some more um, 
examples of this in our study tonight, that the church seemingly kind of steps off the stage in Revelation. Very, very much in 1, 2, and 3, the church, right? Seven letters to the seven churches, we talked about all that. And then all of a sudden, 4 and 5 takes us to a heavenly worship. And then 6, now John is seeing what's happening and going to be happening on the earth. And the church seemingly is kind of off, off the scene. That's why people would suggest this is most likely when the rapture would take place. If you don't believe in a pre-trib rapture and you believe in a mid or post-trib rapture, then as these things are happening, these things are happening and the church is on earth and, and being involved in these things. Again, different opinions about that. But here we see this, these seals begin to be opened. And as they're opened, they're representative of different forms of judgment that are coming against famine, violence, war, um, all kinds of disease, things of this nature are being unleashed as a form of judgment. We stopped last time around at number five. So seal five, we have the mention of those that were slain for the word of God. We see this in Revelation six and verse nine. So I'm just going to read nine and 10. And again, I won't read all of these verses, obviously, but we'll just kind of touch on them to show you where we're at in the text. So Revelation 9 and 10 says this. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So here we have these that were slain for the word of God. What's another word for these? Martyrs, okay? So that's been happening, by the way, since the beginning of the church, right? Stephen is the first recorded martyr. James in Acts 12 is the first recorded this apostle that was martyred. But many, many, many Christians have died for their faith. We went through that with the seven letters to the seven churches. We saw the video and it talked about all those different examples. And so this is not a new thing. This has been going on for since the beginning of the church. Many believe, though, that this group specifically connects to a group that we're going to read about here in a little bit in chapter 7, and not so much just the general martyrs of the church, but some have suggested these are specifically believers who were slain during the tribulation. So those that were specifically martyred during this time of tribulation. Either way, we see that white robes are given to them, and they are told they must wait some time, a little longer, for their deaths to be avenged. Again, some people suggest these are saints or believers that were martyred during the first half of the tribulation. So during the beginning of the tribulation, these are believers that could have been martyred. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the rapture did not take place. This could also be people that came to Christ following the rapture. Again, some would say, well, we don't know if that's going to happen for sure. I think we do know that it's going to happen for sure. The Bible suggests, even in chapter 7, we're going to read about those that are witnessing and preaching for Christ, preaching for the Lord. There's 144,000 Jewish believing missionaries kind of that are preaching and, and doing these things. And so I believe there will be many people saved during the tribulation. But again, it's going to be difficult. The Bible suggests it's going to be difficult. And there's a passage in Thessalonians that talks about the Holy Spirit being taken out of the way. And so basically what many people believe is that right now in the world, is evil happening in our world today? Okay. How many of you think it's gotten worse and not better? Okay. Believe it or not, seemingly compared to what's going to happen in the tribulation, we haven't even put a drop in the bucket yet. Because right now, the Holy Spirit of God is actually restraining evil. 
Remember what Jesus says when he talks about going out into all the world and preaching the gospel, and I will be with you until the ends of the world, that he is in control, that he is over all these things, that there will be those who are saved because he is with us. That is because the Spirit of God is restraining evil and God is working among mankind. Thessalonians, the passage I'm referring to, seems to suggest the Holy Spirit at some point will be taken out of the way, not removed from the earth because he's God, he's everywhere, just like Jesus, the Son, and the Father. But his restraining efforts will be let loose. Now, evil and sin will be just let to rule and reign. And that's what's going to lead to part of this massive persecution and martyrdom of believers. So imagine for a moment, everywhere in the world is like Las Vegas, 24-7. It's just everywhere you look, sin. Now, I know you're thinking, well, it's kind of like that now, to a degree. But, but imagine it even much more than that. So that's the idea that, that these believers, these people will be coming to some level of saving faith in Christ. This could be those who heard the gospel at some point. Maybe were like, I don't know. Rapture happens. Something is going on. And now they're drawn to truth. Some believe they're just going to be under conviction. Pick up a Bible. Read the Bible because they knew Christians and they've heard, them, they've heard people talk about it and come to Christ that way. However it takes place, we know that people will come to Christ. So these are those who were slain for the word of God. No other reason. They're only martyred because of their faith. Number six, we'll move through the next one. And then before chapter seven, I'll open up for any questions, but we might just move right through chapter seven because that might answer some of your questions. Um, so seal six, a time of utter havoc in the world. This is what I was referring to a moment ago. So it talks about there'll be a great earthquake, the sun is darkened, the moon will be red. And these are, again, these are descriptions of what's happening, okay? So many people on, on, a, on a, like a blood red moon, you ever see those, right? Sometimes I think harvest moons or different things. I've had people, you know, if there's an eclipse, is this it? Is this, is this what revelation? And we try to make something something. Um, this is not, remember, none of these things individually are what we're looking for. This is a, a culmination of all of this taking place in a short amount of time. Uh, the tribulation is believed to last about seven years. And so during the first three and a half years will be some persecution, not as bad. Second three and a half years is believed to be more of a great tribulation. Um, as this is happening, also some sort of media shower may uh, happen. Um, the Bible says there in Revelation 6 that heaven will be opened and things will begin to fall from heaven. Again, John's describing this. We don't know exactly what that will look like, but seemingly some have described it as a massive meteor shower that may uh, come into play or, or something like this. But that's how Revelation describes it. Either way, it's going to be a time of great fear and destruction. Because remember, this is all coming after all these other things as well. Revelation 6 says, The great men of the earth will hide themselves, wishing they could die rather than endure the wrath of God. So they would rather die than continue to go through all that's going on here. As you're reading this or thinking about these things, what comes to your mind elsewhere in Scripture? Yeah, we studied Exodus, right? We went through all the plagues. And you remember, as it got towards the end of the plagues, the Egyptians started kind of revolting a little bit against Pharaoh, right? Almost like, hey, maybe we should let these people go. <laughs> like, I'm kind of tired of this, right? They're starting to actually, remember what happened? Some of the Egyptians began to kind of, align themselves with, with God's people. 
And as the, as the Hebrews are leaving, some of the Egyptians are going with them because they just want to be with them and get out of the situation. And so again, that's what I think of as well. This is like they want to get out of the situation. They want to hide themselves. But again, there will still be pride and arrogance and a revolting against God, which is so hard for me to fathom. So again, these are those six of the seven seals. Again, symbolic representing coming judgments. So letter B in your notes, the saints... Chapter 7. And I'll actually just move through. We got some time. I'll move through these next two and then we'll open up for questions. So chapter 7, we see number 1, the sealing of the saints. This is verses 1 through 8. So there's language here about God sealing his people in their foreheads before the angels are allowed to extend the judgment. So again, what that ceiling is going to be, I, I don't know. I, nobody does, obviously. We have assumptions and ideas. Uh, when it says in their foreheads, I don't know that we should take that to literally mean visibly on their foreheads. Um, this is a reference to the idea of someone sealing their citizens, aligning themselves with their citizens in agreement with their citizens. Um, could it be a visible sign or marking? Sure, it could be. Um, I don't know that we have to say it has to be, but it could be. But however it's going to be identified, those that are believers will be marked different than those that are not. That's the idea. And God is going to seal them. Um, again, this sealing may also speak to what the Holy Spirit does in us. The Spirit seals us into the day of redemption. He draws us into that relationship with Christ and seals us and guarantees us that eternal life. So again, you see this idea that God is distinguishing his people from the rest of the world. We also have in this passage the 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. And that's spelled out there. It goes through each tribe and how it's broken down. Um, again, uh, we must note that this may not be an exact number. What I mean is I don't know that we can sit there and count up to 144,000, and that's what we're talking about. Um, what does 12 represent in the book of Revelation again? The number 12, doesn't remember? It refers to the tribes, yep. The number 12 speaks to even a, a bigger generalized understanding. Seven is the perfection, number of perfection. Twelve would be representative of God's people. So 12 always represents God's people. Twelve tribes, 12 apostles. But it also applies to multiples, multiples of 12. So 144,000 could be just a number representing all the tribes, meaning all of God's people at this time those that are in God's, um, or that part of God's kingdom. Again, just a representation of God's redeeming his people could be what's spoken to here. Or it could literally be 144,000 exactly. The point isn't really the number. The point is that God is distinguishing his people, marking his people, calling his people out, right? And again, you see here, Israel's involved, right? These are not non-believing Jews. These are believing Jews. These are people who have trusted in Christ, then we see in verses 9 through 17, number 2, the saints in white robes. So we go back to this group that we talked about in a minute ago. Uh, we have this amazing moment in heaven. And again, we see worship going on in heaven. And I love this, that it's kind of like John has given us these little pictures into heaven. So Revelation 7 and verse 9. After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb 
clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. Again, see, who's initiating the worship? The angels aren't initiating this worship. It's those that are in Christ, the believers, the redeemed. goes on to say this in verse 12, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. I love that. The elder says to John, Hey, who are those guys in white robes? John goes, I don't know. You tell me. That's my interpretation of it, but that's how I read it. So he's like, You know, I don't know. He says this. "Um, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sunlight on, sunlight on them, nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So again, here we have this second group that we're now, we talked about one group of those that were slain for the word of God. They were under the throne. They were before the throne. Now you have the second group that's being talked about, but many believe this is actually the same group. This is the same group of martyrs, or at least connected to the same idea. Some martyred earlier in the tribulation, some martyred later during what's called the great tribulation. However you want to look at it, because some, again, there's different opinions on this. These are those that were slain for Christ. And I love this language here because you see God avenging and bringing to, to fruition their faith. That he's saying, you don't have to eat no more. You don't need the sunlight. I'll be everything you need. That's what, what God's saying here. I'll take care of every need you ever have. No more tears. No more fear. No more anything. Now, some will reference this passage and they will say that this represents all believers, that all believers are before the throne in this way when they talk about every tribe, tongue, and language. Now, I believe that in heaven will be every tribe, tongue, and people group before the throne. I don't believe this group necessarily refers to all believers everywhere because it specifically says they came out of the great tribulation. So this is a specific group of believers, but I believe that they'll be connected with the body of Christ. So I I believe we're all interconnected as the body of Christ. But this specific group came out during the time of the tribulation. So again, this group is connected to the group mentioned in Revelation 6, 9 through 11. They are the believers in Christ who are martyred for their faith, as well as you see the general church assembly represented by the 24 elders. This is a group that was martyred during the second half of the tribulation, many believe. So what John is doing is he's kind of taking us to a different shot. He's kind of talking through all these judgments. Then he kind of steps back and he gets a heavenly perspective of the big picture from heaven. That whether they were martyred in the first half or the second half, God is in control. That he is vindicating these believers. John's emphasis is that the church of his day will be encouraged to know that their suffering is not in vain. That one day God will make all things right and bring justice to the wicked and vindicate his children for his glory. So let her see quickly because we're just going to talk for the first little bit here. We'll pick it up again next time. We see the seventh seal being opened. 
And that's actually all of chapter 8 is referring to the seventh seal. Upon opening the seal, heaven is silent for half an hour. Now, again, this may not be literally a half hour, but just a descriptive of silence in heaven. I won't say the joke that I've heard people make about this because that's, you know, not for me to do. Um, what? It's not nice, especially to our, our female guests here. tonight. It is funny, though. It is pretty funny. So anyway, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Just I'll tell you later. Um, so again, heaven is silent. Um, the seventh seal is opened. And the seventh seal reveals the seven trumpets of judgments. So remember we talked about this. There's seals, trumpets, and bowl judgments. So those kind of, remember again, three represents what? Three represents the trinity. And seven represents perfection. So you see again how this is depicted here. These trumpet judgments are recorded from Revelation 8-7 until Revelation 9-21. And then it picks up again in Revelation 11, verses 15 through 18. So we'll dive more into that next week, those specific judgments. And again, some people believe these are judgments that are different. So, you know, the seven, trumpet, seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls are all different judgments. Some believe it's the same basic judgments, just from different points of view, reiterated different ways. Um, I seem to think it's more of a consecutive, these are different things happening in order. But again, we're different opinion on that. Um, there is much symbolism in these chapters of Revelation. So we must be careful about making dogmatic interpretations of specific details. However, there is clear evidence that God will judge the world in perfect judgment. We may endure trials and suffering in the world at the hands of the wicked today. But God is aware and fulfilling his plan. The wicked are storing up wrath on the day of judgment. We do not need to take revenge. Why? Because God will avenge in his time for his glory. And we cannot take vengeance the way God can because we are not objective. Right? We're subjective. We're, he's outside of the whole thing. He's righteous, pure, and holy. We can't judge appropriately. He has to step in and make the judgments because he's God. He's creator. He's the authority. We don't have that right to do that. Okay? That's the idea there. So... I know that was a lot of information, okay, lots of stuff. Any questions that I can try to, and I, I, if I don't know the answer, we'll put a pin in it, and I'll do a little homework, and I'll see what we can do. But any questions about anything we talked about tonight so far? Chris. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're in great company because many, I always find it interesting when I, when I look to a commentary for different food, of, food for thought about what this or that thing may mean, I always love when the commentary skips the verse. I'm like, wait a minute, you can't do that. You're, the com you're supposed to know this. And the commentary is like, I'm not touching that. I don't know what that means, okay? The point is, of course, there's things in Revelation where we may never understand, right? Remember, John is trying to, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, give us insight into what he's seeing. Imagine you're John for a moment, and you're trying to tell someone what you're seeing. Man, talk about a difficult task. However, under the superintending power of the Holy Spirit, we have exactly what we need to come to an understanding of what God is going to do and why God is going to do it. 
The details of how it's all going to play out, we may not understand, but we know it's going to happen, and we know that he's in control. So I agree 100%. There's a lot of symbolism in here, a lot of prophetic language, which can be confusing. The biggest thing I can encourage you with reading any prophetic books, reading Revelation, uh, points of Daniel, Ezekiel, different ones, um, to be careful with making dogmatic interpretations, meaning my view is the only view. There's no other one right out there. Now, there are some things we can be dogmatic about. We said this before. It's very clear that God will judge. It's very clear that people will be saved during this time. It's very clear that Christ is coming again. It's very clear there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. The in-between stuff, some of that, there's some gray areas as far as how we understand it. Those are the things we have to be careful of. Have opinions, have ideas, come to an understanding from the text, use the text to develop those ideas. But if you meet somebody who has a different idea in those gray areas, it's not an issue of division. It's not an issue of arguing. It's just good, healthy conversation. Okay? So that's what I would encourage to maybe help some of that confusion. Any other questions or comments about what we've talked about tonight? Yes. Right. Yep. If they're in Christ, there are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Um, I have some friends that, you know, don't, I don't agree with in gifts of the spirit. Um, I believe certain things about the gifts of the spirit. They would believe something different. Um, not an issue of, of fellowship because we're in Christ. Um, we can discuss it. I mean, they can be wrong. It's all good. Um, I'm just kidding, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They can be wrong. It's fine. Um, but, but we, there's no fighting there, right? Because we're in Christ. And the point is to be encouraged by this, to know when we see suffering in the world today, when we see and hear about what we talked about on the day of prayer for the persecuted church, when believers in Nigeria are losing their homes, losing their families, um, people are being imprisoned all over the world, um, pastors are being killed. Um, I, I mentioned a friend of mine who was, uh, he's a missionary in um, Taiwan, uh, he said one of the gentlemen that helped him learn Chinese when he first got over there, who's in China, uh, they didn't hear from him for weeks because he was arrested and thrown in prison somewhere as far as they knew, um, just for being a believer. And so these things as they're happening, how do we keep the right focus and the right mindset? We, we realize, yes, it seems like we're losing, but we're not. God is not falling off his throne. And that's why I love these little moments of heavenly worship. Because it reminds us, this is what's going on in the world and it looks bleak and dark and horrible but God is being praised. And so again, we take heart with that. We take courage in that. No, I know what I see, but I walk by faith and not by sight. So I'm not going to let what I see distract from who God is according to his word. So again, that's the encouragement we take from this study, I pray. And to know that there's a need to share our faith. People need to hear about Jesus Christ. We have to share our faith because this is going to happen. And I don't want anyone to go through this. I want people to know they have an option in Christ. And so that even motivates us more to share our faith because we don't know when the Lord might call us home and all of this begins. And so again, we need to be ready. Anyone else? Renee. I've been hearing about Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And, and what she said was the more that we hear stories from people that are going through things, being persecuted, imprisoned, it drives us to want to go deeper in our own faith and to grow in Christ and to be passionate for the things of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which I've always been amazed. If somebody could be sitting in a prison cell, fully content and satisfied in Christ, and I'm complaining in my safe, comfortable, normal little life, there's something wrong there, right? Um, and we always think they should learn from us, but I think we need to learn from, from them. And I think we can learn a lot. So, well, let's do this, guys. We'll go ahead and dismiss from here. We'll let you guys head to prayer. So, um, as far as I know, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, ladies went down to the nursing room with the couches, okay? Um, I did talk to Pastor Greg. Um, he was using that room for a small group room. He's willing to use a different space um, so you guys can have that. So that still should be fine. Um, hopefully there's no confusion on that. He doesn't show up or you guys go in there. He's in there. Um, and then guys, we'll be down in the library like normal. All right? So let's pray. And then we'll let you guys head to prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. And we thank you for this word. We pray that you'd help affirm it in our hearts and minds. And Lord, I know that there's a lot in here and it can be confusing. But I pray that you'd give us wisdom and discernment, your understanding of these things. Help us to apply what we've learned that we understand. For the things we don't understand, Lord, give us grace to, to, to trust you and to believe that even when we can't see what you're doing, we know you're doing what needs to be done for your glory and our blessing. So, Father, give us a passion to share our faith this week, to share you with somebody near us. Life is short, Lord, and we don't have forever here on this side of heaven. So we need to take advantage of every opportunity we have to make a difference for you. So, Father, go with us now as we go into this time of prayer. And thank you for it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I do have uh, prayer guides up here. So uh, I'll grab some, leave some for the ladies, or maybe I'll just give them to Lynn here.